start today, yeah? Look, look. الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونسترشده ونستهديه اهدنا الصراط المستقيم ما عليك هداهم ولكن الله يهدي من يشاء وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر سبحان الله عما يشركون وأشهد أن سيدنا وأسمانا وأسعدنا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله بلغ الرسالة وأدى الأمانة ونصح الأمة ونحن على ذلك من الشاهدين ما يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له ومن يعتصم بالله فقد هدي إلى صراطه المستقيم أما بعد Dear committed brothers and sisters أيها المؤمنون We are approaching the annual Hajj obligation We are in the month of the Al-Qa'dah and this is the month in which many people from around the world prepare themselves to make that at least once in a lifetime journey if they are able and capable of going to Mecca and Al Medina to fulfill that obligation. And I think I will try my best to visit the founder, so to speak, of this obligation, Prophet Ibrahim, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his. And then I'll try to make a transition from the world that he was in and the forces that he was the forces that were against him to the trivia of the type of world that many Muslims satisfy themselves with 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Maryam, وَاذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ إِنَّهُ كَانَ صِدِّيقًا نَبِيًّا And bring to your awareness via the information in scripture Ibrahim for verily he was Siddiqan Nabiya Nabi you are familiar with that word and its meanings Siddiqan it needs a little refinement Sadaqa we say a person is Sadiq the word Siddiq is an accentuation of the word Sadiq so what does the word Sadiq means when we say someone Sadiq it simply means that his statements and his behavior coincide with the real world, with reality. He doesn't trick himself and he doesn't distort the facts of life. So that's why the word Siddiq is most of the times associated with the word truth. But this truth is endorsing reality and facts as they are. He's not running away from reality. He's not distorting the facts. So he is Sadiq. And Ibrahim was a Siddiq. Means he was a Sadiq to the power 10 or 100. A personality that is rare to come by. That's why in another ayah Allah Jalla wa'ala says, Inna Ibrahima Ibrahima kana ummah. Ibrahim was an ummah. Okay, another ayah with Qala Ibrahim with Qala li Abihi ya Abati, Lima ta'budu ma la yasma'u, Wala yubsiru, Wala yugni anka shay'a. Let me continue. Ya Abati, inni qad ja'ani min al-ilmi ma lam ya'tika fattabi'ani ahdika siratan sawiyya. This ayah, this is also in Surah Maryam 42 and 43. The first one was ayah 41. Ibrahim is speaking to, now here is where we have, I'm bringing you into the scholarly circle. We have Muslim scholars who said Ibrahim was speaking to his father. We have, and that's the, appears to be the majority opinion. And we have others who say, no, Ibrahim was not speaking to his father, even though the literal word father is used in the ayah or in the other ayat in the Quran. So what is he saying to his father? Ya abati lima ta'budu ma la yasma'u wa la yubsiru wa la yughni anka shay'a Why are you, and the word is ta'bud 
And the distorted translation of that word is worship. That's not the meaning of the word. Ibrahim is saying to his father or uncle, we'll get to this in a moment. He's saying to him, why are you in a state of ibadah with something that cannot hear, that cannot see, and that cannot benefit you a bit? The key word here, which many Muslims and others don't understand, is lima ta'bud? Why are you performing this ibadah? Ibadah is you may you may hear this for the first time. Ibadah is compatibility. Why are you compatible? That's the substantive meaning of the word. Why are you compatible with things that cannot hear, that cannot see, that cannot benefit you? Why are you compatible with that? And then Ibrahim in a very civilized, courteous manner says, Ya abati inni qad ja'ani min al-ilmi ma lam ya'tika fattabi'ani ahadika siratan sawiyya. I have information that has come to me which has not come to you. So follow me and I'll guide you to a straight path in life. Ibrahim was being very reasonable and he is being very well behaved concerning his father or his uncle. There's an ayah in Surah At-Tawbah, ayah 114, that says, وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ لِأَبِيهِ آزَرٍ And bear in mind, Ibrahim, when he spoke to his father Azar and said to him, Do you designate Asnam as deities? We've said this, but we have to say it again because the word has been stolen. The word asnam refers to individuals who had power in this world and had authority, and then when they died and passed away, they their personality and their position and status in life became were put into figurines so that whatever they stood for continued in the lives of the peoples after them so Ibrahim is saying to his father or uncle why are you designating such figurines of people who had power and authority before to become your divinity and your deity. Why are you doing that? 
Okay, now here we come to explain Ibrahim. Was he speaking to his father or was he speaking to his uncle? In all of these ayat, the name of that person was mentioned once. Li'abihi Azar. The name of the individual was Azar. Now, I'm not here to try to condemn scholars or to glorify other scholars. I'm just here to try to give you the information that is out there and to explain to you from the humble understanding that I have what seems to be more acceptable than the other opinion. Here we encounter a hadith of the Prophet. The Prophet of Allah is reported to have said, ما زلت أنتقل من أصلاب الطاهرين إلى أرحام الطاهرات I've continued to move through the reproductive channels of Tahir men to the reproductive channels of Tahir women. ما زلت أنتقل من أصلاب الطاهرين إلى أرحام الطاهرات. Now if Ibrahim, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him. If his father was a kafir and a mushrik, as the other ayat describe that person that Ibrahim is speaking to, then his own father, innama al-mushrikuna najas. The mushriks are contaminated with their shirk. So was Ibrahim born to a mushrik father, a kafir father? If so, then we run into difficulties with the hadith. Besides, there are other, the word ab or abati or abu, this word is used in the Quran to refer to fatherhood. And the uncle belongs to the father in fatherhood. So Ibrahim here was speaking to his uncle. And this developed to such a degree that his uncle turned hostile with him. Ibrahim was never hostile with his uncle. Follow the ayat in the Quran and see how Ibrahim is speaking to his uncle. And then notice how the uncle is responding to Ibrahim. Ibrahim is well behaved, well mannered, courteous, kind in his communication. But the other turns hostile against him. This is what happens in the real world when we express what Iman and Islam is all about. We, don't, we do it with courtesy. 
with inclusiveness, with a sound temperament, with good character, just like Ibrahim is doing. But why do the others turn hostile? Why do they now begin to think the only way to get out of this is to kill the person? That's what they wanted to do and that's what they tried to do. And Ibrahim finally says, Salamun alayk. See, after all of this, the uncle says to Ibrahim, Araghibun anta an alihati ya Ibrahim. لَإِنْ لَمْ تَنْتَهِ لَأَرْجُ مَنَّكَ وَهْجُرْنِي مَلِيَّ The word رَغِبَ can have, can go in both directions. You say رَغِبَ فِي and رَغِبَ عَنْ if you say raghiba fi that means you you have a desire for if you say raghiba an that means you have a desire against the word is raghiba but the preposition that follows gives it the further meaning your desire is either for it or your de- desire is contrary to it Araghibun anta an alihati ya Ibrahim. Oh Ibrahim, his uncle is telling him, Is your desire against my deities? If you don't cease and desist, we're going to flog you, to, I'm going to flog you to death. I'm going to stone you to death. Who's hostile? Who's threatening with death? Ibrahim wasn't threatening anyone with any type of damaging effects. But here, this is this is how the world operates. So after that, and then uh, the ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah, وَمَنْ يَرْغَبْ عَمْ مِلَّةِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ إِلَّا مَنْ سَفِهَ نَفْسَهِ and whoever desires, his desire is away from the milla of Ibrahim, is the one who is doing foolishness to himself. He's being a fool with himself. And from here, from this split, Ibrahim broke with his society because his society disavowed him and wanted to get rid of him. This is where the Hajj begins. It begins in this feeling. After that lifetime of struggle, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala designated Al-Bayt Al-Haram so that we don't feel that we are expelled from society like Ibrahim felt. We don't feel that we are under the threat of death, imminent death like Ibrahim felt. We don't feel that they are going to execute us like Ibrahim felt. But I ask you, in today, in today's real world, do we capture these meanings? 
Do we, those hujjaj, those pilgrims who are going to Mecca and al Medina to perform this rukin of Islam, this foundational part of Islam, are they carrying with them the meanings of this history? And this is only a small initial part of this history. It's all lost in this Hajj. So Ibrahim finally says, وَأَعْتَزِلُكُمْ وَمَا تَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ وَأَدْعُوا رَبِّي عَسَى أَلَّا أَكُونَ بِدُعَاءِ رَبِّي شَقِيًّا There's nothing in the details of this history, nothing that speaks about salah, that speaks about sawm, that speaks about zakah. Nothing of these rituals right now by which people measure other Muslims, none of this is mentioned. So we have a wrong measuring stick when we approach other people, other Muslims or other non-Muslims. And this has become just this one bit of detail has become a necessary building block for the Hajj that we are supposed to honor when we go there. And lo and behold, we find that the whole meaning of Hajj has been sabotaged. Sabotaged by the mentality of divide, divisions that we have. Another ayah in Surah, this I'm going to transition here from the history of Ibrahim that is supposed to be alive and well in our thoughts and in our lives. I'm going to go to the mentality today that is running the Hajj and indoctrinating simple Muslims to bypass the vital meanings of the Hajj. An ayah in Surah Ali Imran 105 وَلَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ تَفَرَّقُوا وَاخْتَلَفُوا مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَهُمُ الْبَيِّنَاتِ وَأُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ عَظِيمٌ Don't be like those who have been divided and who have disputed among themselves after evidence, clear evidence has come to, to them. They are the ones who are going to encounter significant suffering. And this suffering, we, we see it in our lives. And if we continue like this, we are going to encounter it when we make the transition to the other life. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a very healthy body of communication. And the Prophet of Allah, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his, has explained to us much of the details of this general body of revealed scriptural information. And now let's take the issues that they divide us on. 
I'm going to try to work on this so that it becomes very clear in every listening person's mind that we have been derailed from our responsibilities that come to us from Allah Jalla Sha'nu. We have these minds. This is the real world, brothers and sisters. We have these minds out there. They listen to a hadith. One hadith of the Prophet says, Ghuslul Jumu'ah fardun ala kulli muhtalim. And there's other phraseology of the same hadith, which means the, ba- the bathing of the day of Al Jumu'ah, washing your whole body on the day of Jumu'ah, is mandatory upon those who have had a wet dream. That's the general meaning of the hadith. Now, people listen to this. We have people with a thousand minds. We have hundreds of millions of Muslims. One attitude is, oh, the Prophet said this 1400 years ago. There were no disinfectants. There was no science at the time that brings you things like alcohol or cologne or something else that can kill all the germs and do a much better job than just water. And they create an issue out of this to divide the Muslims. They undermine what has been agreed upon as the definition of ghusl by all the fuqaha in all the schools of thought in all the generations of Islam up until this very day this is the fiqhi phraseology of it this is something that by necessity an elementary Muslim knows but some people who listen to this hadith think that they are smart they say oh that was you know 1400 years ago now there are things that have developed and Muslims should become more sophisticated, more modern, more up-to-date, more scientific. And so, if you wash yourself in, let's say, cologne, it's much better than washing yourself in water. This is what we have. And they bring arguments like this into the Muslim fold so that we can begin our mind instead of concentrating on issues of justice and equality and freedom and rights. All of these issues, they're buried under these types of arguments. That's number one. Let's go to number two. There's a hadith from the Prophet, and as we said previously, and we repeat now, much of the divisions generate from the body of hadiths. Another hadith says, لَا يَبُولَنَّ أَحَدُكُمْ فِي الْمَاءِ الرَّاكِدِ None of you should ever urinate in still water. So here we come. Someone listens to something like this, they, indi- they understand the individual words. And then some may think, oh, okay, so I will not directly urinate in such water. I'll urinate in a urinal and pour that into the water. So that's not directly going into the water. Those who thought that they were smart 
when they spoke about disinfectants and water, now we have those who think that there's a way out, you can dodge the meaning of this hadith. Those types of minds are also out there. Another hadith, it says, Al-Bikru tusta'adhanu bizzawaj wa-idhnuha simatuha, another one, wa-idhnuha samtuha. It means a virgin daughter is required to give her permission to get married. You can't have a daughter who hasn't been married and wants to get married, you can't have her marry when she doesn't give her permission. And the Prophet says, and her permission amounts to her silence. Her father and mother approach her, say, so-and-so is proposing for you, he wants your hand. And the Prophet says, the permission of such a daughter is for her to remain silent. So we have some of these minds who are out there for your information. It's all right. Learn some things that I'm not particularly anxious to say. But there's a school of thought which basically has withered away. It's called a Vahiri school of thought. And I'm not trying to knock down any school of thought. Please, I, I have to say this and repeat it. So they say, if the girl the virgin who wants to get married, if she is approached by her parents and they say a certain person, you know who he is, he's proposing, he wants to marry you, and she says, no, no, I don't accept. That doesn't count. Whatever she said does not count. Even if she says, oh yes, father and mother, I do accept. Oh, it's an honor. I want him to be my future and ever husband. Because she spoke, she didn't remain silent. Whatever she said doesn't count. We have this type of mentality among us. And they create arguments out of this to distract us from the life and death issues that Ibrahim and the other prophets were facing. These, all of these other prophets, we don't have any of these types of issues in their lives. Go to the Quran, go to the Sunnah and see if we have these types of issues as becoming the foundations of our conviction. And then we have, these are the issues that they play around with people's minds and distract us, mislead us. The Prophet says, whoever consumes onions or garlic on Friday should never approach the masjid for Salat al-Jumu'ah or for the Salat in the masjid, depending on the hadith you're going to. And so, here we have the same type of people who want to generate arguments that we don't need at this time. They say, okay, what about a, another person who, let's say, is a garbage collector? He has clothes on that stink worse than garlic and onions. Or another person, a hard laborer, whose 
clothes are drenched in sweat. He comes to the masjid on Friday. Can we extend the analogy of onions and garlic to people who smell and stink and want to come to the masjid? And then they create a big argument about this issue. This is how they... And these are the types of people, brothers and sisters, these are the types of people who are going to the Hajj. They are supposed to be reliving and reviving life and death issues. And here they are, they're going with all of this divisive mentality in them to the Hajj and to the Umrah. The ayah number 99 in Surah Al-An'am. It is he, meaning Allah, subhanah, who has brought down water from the skies. So someone comes and says, the water that it's raining, it's raining right now, that water came from the clouds. The mentality, some people, please don't generalize and say everyone is doing this. Uh, What I'm referring to are those individuals who are trying to divide us splitting hair issues they say no you can't say that Allah says rain comes from the skies you can't say rain comes from the clouds and here we go they create another unending argument and this unending argument seeps into our body of knowledge into our head and we carry these types of issues with us when we go to the Hajj we look for people, we, we listen, because that's what they tell us. You go to a masjid, you go to a halaqa, you go to a conference. When it comes to Islamic issues, this is what they want to talk about. And some people wonder why, we, why we've been dispossessed of our lands. Why do we have a Palestinian issue? Why do we have a Kashmiri issue? Why do we have issues all over our lands? Now that's what they did. When they entered our minds and they played with it like that, then it was easy for them to play with our material belongings. Then the Prophet of Allah, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him, says, "Man bana masjidan yabtaghi bihi wajhallah, bana lahu Allahu baytan fil jannah." Whoever builds a masjid for Allah, seeking Allah's acceptance, Allah will build for him a residence in paradise. Hadith. Okay. How do some people come? They approach this type of thing. Okay. Let's see. Let's let's parse this hadith. Let's take it very carefully. Does this hadith mean that, let's say I have a house. And I want to turn this house into a masjid. I didn't build anything. The, had, the hadith saying whoever builds. But some person comes and says, well, I have a structure, I have a house, and I'm dedicating that house as a masjid. Do I merit a residence that Allah is going to build for me in paradise? And here we go. The argument begins. Another person comes and he says, I have a piece of land. And I want to dedicate that piece of land as a masjid for Allah where people can come and perform their salah. 
And they'll quote another hadith. جُعِلَتْ لِيَ الْأَرْضُ مَسْجِدًا وَطَهُورًا فَأَيُّمَا رَجُلٌ مِّنْ أُمَّةِ أَدْرَكَتْهُ الصَّلَاةُ فَلْيُصَلِّ The Prophet of Allah says, Land, the earth, has been designated as a masjid and a tahur for me. An undefiled land. So any person who wants to pray can just do it there. You don't need uh, walls and ceiling and all of this. So if a person has a piece of land says, I want to dedicate this as a masjid. Is Allah going to build a masjid for him in Al-Jannah? A house for him in Al-Jannah? And then, further, this is how the minds work. The Prophet says, whoever builds a masjid, okay, I will have a house or I will have a masjid built as a masjid. I'll go and contract someone. They will come and build the masjid. I didn't build it. I didn't physically build the masjid. The Prophet is saying, Man bana. So some people say, Oh, you'd have to actually, physically, personally build the masjid. These are the areas. I just, I just took you through some of the, and there's plenty of these issues out there. And what do these issues do? They reduce us from responsible Muslims to irresponsible mortal beings. That's what we've done to ourselves. So those who are going to the Hajj, I don't mean to say this to try to take away from anyone's motivation to go to the Hajj or Umrah. I'm just trying my best to shed light on the discrepancy of those who perform the Hajj polluted with these non-issues as compared to those who go to the Hajj aware of what they are doing. أَقُولُ قَوْلِ هَذَا وَأَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهَ لِي وَلَكُمْ وَدْعُوهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَأَنْتُمْ عَلَى يَقِينٍ بِالْإِجَابَةِ وَتُوبُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ تَوَّابٌ رَحِيمٌ الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Dear beloved brothers and sisters Obviously, when the Muslim public is poisoned by the information that is financed by the Saudi rulers and their sidekicks in the Gulf and the inferior governments in Muslim countries, when they poison the Muslim mind, it becomes odd that we begin to speak to the real issues. When Muslims are going to the Hajj, preparing to go, arriving as we speak in Mecca and in Al-Madinah, and they are told, you cannot politicize the Hajj. What do they mean by that? They've already politicized the Hajj in the sense 
that they've imposed their own politics on the Hajj. If they were true to what they are saying, then why do they say, tell Muslims from certain countries, you cannot come to Mecca and al Medina? This should be a piece of information that circulates all around the Muslim world. Who are these royal bums in the Arabian Peninsula who tell Muslims from Syria you can't come to Hajj? Who tell Muslims from Yemen you can't come to Hajj? Who tell Muslims from any other country that they disagree with you can't come to Hajj? And if they don't have a full disagreement with a particular country or government, then they make it very difficult for those Muslims to go to the Hajj. This Saudi subordinate of the Zionist criminals and their imperialist handlers have placed a law, have enacted a law against what is called Jamiyat al-Islah in Kuwait. This is one of these Islamic charitable organizations that belong to the international Islamic movement called Al-Ikhwan Al-Muslimin. You can tell, what we're saying here has just happened in the past week. We move from week to week with the events that unfold in the course of the past week. So this is what happened. That means, what does that mean? The same rulers in the Arabian Peninsula who just 20 and 30 years ago were all hugs and kisses for the types now that they have designated as terrorists. They flipped from one extreme to the other in front of our own eyes, but you wouldn't know it if you're going to the conventional masjid and listening to the traditional khatib. You wouldn't know this. It doesn't appear on your radar. And then the United Arab Emirates, just in this past week, there were two ships carrying petroleum in the Red Sea that were targeted by the resistance in Yemen. And what are the comments? Word by word, تَصَرُّفٌ إِرْهَابِيٌّ أَهْوَجٌ this, they, he commented on this, they said, this is a terrorist, troublemaking event or behavior. Look who's speaking. They have been killing a population, they've been killing many populations. But just to take that particular geographical area, Yemen, because that's where it happened. These... Uh, petroleum ships, cargo ships carrying petroleum, they were hit right off the coasts of Yemen. What have you, you people, you officials in these countries, in these regimes, 
what have you been doing in Yemen? The numbers that come from international organizations say between 10 and 14,000 people have been killed by your imposed war. Scores of thousands have been injured. And they don't give you a very terrible detail one of these international organizations and this is not carried in your major newspapers and mainstream media says that over 50,000 people have died in Yemen in these years not from the bombs but from the destruction of the infrastructure there that caused the epidemic of cholera 50,000 people because of the Saudi Emirati led war effort in Yemen have killed these amounts of people and they don't count if our Islam is an Islam of values of morality of standards why isn't this spoken from the manabir and the masajid in the Muslim world and outside of the Muslim world Qatar They're negotiating with the policymakers in Washington to make Al Udaid Air Base, the largest air base in the whole area, to make it a permanent American military base in the Arabian Peninsula. And that's the one that you think, oh, Qatar is uh, more balanced than the others. Don't be brainwashed by the mainstream information that is out there. Because of what happened in this past week, one of the Saudi officials said, we're going to suspend all shipments of oil through Bab al-Mandab. That is the narrow sea route between the Arabian Peninsula and Africa. We're going to suspend shipments of oil through this sea route. These types of rulers finance a lot of Islamic work all around the world, writing checks. They can't write the checks like they were doing before. Now they are in serious economic downfall. What did they give us? Any, almost everywhere you look, there's an activation of some crazy-minded individuals who have been brainwashed and indoctrinated by the false representation of Islam and Iman. Almost everywhere you look, Algeria, Nigeria, Tunisia, Libya, Egypt, Somal, Yemen, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Indonesia, some European countries, even here in North America, individuals are acting not as Muslims, not as Mu'mins, not as Mujahideen, even though in some of them, inside their own, their own selves, they are convinced that they are doing the right thing. When they are in fact 
at war with Allah and his prophet and the committed Muslims and they don't know it. And now the United States, we are told, is building a huge prison in the area of Syria called Raqqa. Building a huge prison there because its mercenaries made up of some Arabians and some Kurds have captured some individuals of ISIS. Look here, the Zionists and the imperialists in this issue are on the same, are on both sides. They are the ones who are controlling ISIS through the Saudis and their customers in the Arabian Peninsula. And they are in military control of this free Syrian army or whatever it's called. Both ways, they've trapped the Muslims. And now Washington says it wants to bring the Gulf, the GCC members, the Gulf Co Cooperation Council nation states, it wants to bring them together so that it can bring peace to them. We are in, what does this mean, brothers and sisters, when you read something like this? We are incapable, we the Muslims, are incapable of bringing peace to ourselves. We need imperialists and Zionists to bring us peace. That's what it says. So what is Hajj? What, what's your performance of the Hajj? What's the performance of all of your other responsibilities towards Allah when you can't even make peace among yourselves? In the colonized holy land of Palestine, that land and that issue is a barometer. It will tell you who is sincere and who is a hypocrite and who is an enemy. There have been now for almost 20 weeks protests and demonstrations. Why don't these protests and demonstrations, why don't they come to the attention of you and me and the other Muslim from the minbar in the masjid? Why? It's halal to be silent, to prepare for a war, and to endorse an ongoing war in the Holy Land? Is that the morality of Islam? Where did you learn that as a Muslim? There's been clashes in the piazza of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. A thousand Yehudi fanatics, Zionists of course, virtually raided Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa in this past week. Meet someone who ascends the minbar on Friday. There's a w big world out there. Go to someone that you know and say, why are you silent about this? Don't you understand you've become an accomplice to the crimes against humanity and the war crimes that are being committed in of all places in the world, in Al-Ard Al-Muqaddasa, in the Holy Land? Explain that to us. You can't do that? 
And then news pops up almost every week that those who have stolen the Holy Land want to build more colonies. Don't use the word settlements. That's another trick. And that's another brainwashing mechanism. These are not settlements. These are colonies. They are building more and more colonies on other people's land. Stealing other people's property and claiming that God wrote in the Bible that that property belongs to them. The International Court of Justice is telling the United Arab Emirates to legally behave yourselves towards the Qataris who are living in your country. There's mistreatment of Qataris, two neighbors. They belong to the same history, to the same tribes, to the same geography, to the same madhab, to the same everything. And they don't know how to treat themselves with decency and equality. And it takes the International Court of Justice to alert the United Arab Emirates to be fair to those who are living there, especially the Qataris. And then Israel, what they call Israel, closes off a section of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa because a big rock fell from one of the walls that is called the Wailing Wall there. And no one knows how that happens. They have a video of it. Think of it, if, if something like that falls. Who was, taking the, who was taking the video? Or do they have other things planned? And they are relying on the khatibs and the preachers and the teachers in the Muslim world to play deaf, dumb, and blind to what is happening. Well, maybe they, there are some Muslims who want to be anesthetized on Fridays. They like to be put into a mental coma and invite further suffering in the future. We exclude ourselves from that company and we thank Allah for an, such an honorable exclusion. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'ah wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna ijtinaabah wa la taj'alhu multabisan alayna wa ja'alna lil-muttaqina imama Allahumma ilayka nashku dha'fa quwatina wa qillata hilatina wa hawana ala al-nas يا أرحم الراحمين أنت ربنا وأنت رب المستضعفين فإلى من تكلنا إلى غريب يتجهمنا أم إلى عدو ملكته أمرنا إن لم يكن بك علينا غضب فلا نبالي ولكن عافيتك هي أوسع لنا نعوذ بنور وجهك الذي أشرقت له الظلمات وصلح عليه أمر الدنيا والآخرة من أن تنزل بنا غضبك أو تحل علينا صختك لك العتبى حتى ترضى ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بك إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وبارك على محمد وآل محمد 
كما صليت وباركت على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله 